I am from beyond. Listen, and all you desire will be yours. Welcome to Spider-Man and the Secret Wars. Prepare for battle. Welcome to Prattle World. I am your host, the ever-amazing, ever-spectacular Spider-Dan. And in this podcast, I spotlight entertainment's best-kept secrets that a mainstream audience may find boring. I'm back! I know it's been a little while. I thought after Western Month I needed a little break. Uh, Just time away from you know, all this sort of stuff. Um, Obviously, we're still ongoing with all this kind of horrible pandemic stuff and everyone's having to deal with it in their own ways. So um, so I thought, yeah, I thought I'd just give myself a little bit of time. I also have kind of dipped into, uh, after the Western month, I was kind of inspired and I went, you know what, I'm going to try Red Dead Redemption 2. And I fell into that little rabbit hole. And what a rabbit hole it is. Quite an expansive experience. You get really stuck in, you know, um, I genuinely had a, had issues with capturing a beaver pelt at about three in the morning and I almost had a little nervous breakdown about that but enough of that we're not here to talk western month we are heading into sci-fi comic book territory um, so we are going to talk my top five Sentinel comics. So we're not talking Captain America, the Sentinel of Liberty. Uh, We're not talking Alan Scott, the original Green Lantern's former codename Sentinel. No, we are talking about the mutant hunting extermination machines known as the Sentinels from Marvel Comics, from the X-Men series. And we're going to talk about them because um, I've been speaking to a lot of friends recently and they keep talking about their love for the Sentinels. My friend Jack Louis um, described them. Um, I've never heard anyone describe them as such, but he said, you know, the pink and the purple. Um, <laughs> he said he makes makes them appear very camp. And I was like, I love that. I, I love that you've described them in that way. Um, it's not something I've, I've ever heard them described as. Um, but I, I was like, yeah, I can kind of see what you mean. Um uh, Angry Andy Knowles of Angry Andy Knowles Reviews, Angry Andy Reviews. Um, he said how much he loves the Sentinels as well. He's a big fan. Well, there's another thing that's happened as well. So in the time during lockdown, I have, in fact, made made a rather large purchase of something. So Hasbro, Marvel and Hasbro are currently producing kind of all the toys, action figures and things like that, collectibles, uh, much like with the Star Wars stuff that Angry Andy Reviews does a lot, um, the kind of lightsabers and all the, the action figures and stuff. They are producing a, they've done a Kickstarter for a 26-inch massive sentinel figure, um, which comes along with lots of different extras, like you get a couple of six-inch figures with it, several heads and a different hand, um, you know, a light-up display, all this sort of stuff. But the size is is just incredible. In comparison with the figures, it's kind of the right size um, for, for what it is. And I've paid... £350 for this figure because when I was a kid, 
as you know, I probably said this before, the X-Men animated series of the 90s, which I'm currently watching, re-watching on Disney+, Plus, um, got me into comic books uh, you know, on mass and large, you know, and I, I, I used to watch Transformers and Ninja Turtles, but I didn't necessarily know that they were a a comic book or there was comic books about them. Um, you know, I, I didn't really know that, but X Men was the one where I was like, I need as much of this in my life as possible, and got me into the comics. And the very first, the very first experience of the X Men in the first few episodes, first two episodes, and the finale of that first series features the Sentinels, and they they were terrifying. They were really scary. Like they're these big monstrous things that are just constantly detecting you, or hunting you, and searching for you. Um, you know, and they kill. You know, they seemingly kill like the the char- a character in the first episode and you're like oh my god as a kid you blows your mind you're like oh my god that guy is he's dead he's not coming back i mean he he, he wasn't he didn't plan they didn't plan him to come back but apparently there was such like fans really got on board with morph and and then he came back they made him return but he was evil um so so yeah and they were just um really just a great design obviously Jack Kirby designed them. These big bulbous heads, these blank, blank expression on them. The way they move and the way they hold themselves was very non-human as well. Even though they're they're humanoid in design. Um, yeah. Sorry, I've got the sniffles today, so uh, do apologize. But they're just uh, a fantastic kind of entry point as well for the for the sen- for the X Men series because it just typifies that that lack of empathy with people who are different from yourselves. Like, that's a lot of what the story is about for X-Men, is that the humans don't understand and they can't find that find something to relate to them. Uh, and that typifies that feeling that humans have towards the mutants. But it also have this, this cold, you know, cold logic, this cold exterminating... Uh, mentality um, that often is the the reason they get defeated is this kind of weird kind of logic they have like um, in those first few issues you know the sentinels you know betray their master uh, Bolivar Trask um, he creates the sentinels creates Master Mold who is the, a larger sentinel that kind of gives birth to them uh, kind of their leader as well but you know they say to him they're like no you got you what are you trying to do you're trying to destroy humanity why would you do that and they're like well mutants are humans and they're like that you know that's what you've you've created us to do and it's like no no they're different from us no they're actually still human they're not machines, so that's what we're going to do. We're going to exterminate the entire race. And, you know, and in the Days of Future Past storyline, that's pretty much what they do. They put them in internment camps, any superheroes as well, take over. They do have human... They don't have much imagination a lot of the time, these Sentinels, so they do use humans for any kind of creative stuff. Um, they're just, you know, they they have tunnel vision. It's like, we've got to capture and exterminate and study the mutants so we know how better to kill them. What's also scary, like a lot of uh, AI as well, is they learn from their mistakes. So you can't defeat them the same way. So if Iceman, you know, throws ice spears at them or, you know, freezes them in the block of ice, that's not going to work next time. You know, you've got to come up with a different way. They are constantly evolving, learning, um, killing machines. And again, they're, they're really quite 
uh, a deadly threat to the X-Men. You know, a lot of lot of characters have died or there's always a horrific element because, again, it's like like we talked about on Robot Month, you cannot bargain. You cannot, you know, they, in some of the issues, they even say resistance is futile. There is no, there is nothing you can do. There's no bartering. There's nothing you can do to stop them. You just have to stop them. Um, absolutely will not stop until you are dead. And that's it. And, and I think... That there are there are great there are great antagonists for the X Men. Um, given all the kind of different foes they have from all the various different kind of their different views and different approaches and modus operandi, it's it's a very unique kind of outlook. And and I've always enjoyed them. I always will. I'm very much looking forward to getting that huge figure. Um, which I will display proudly. Um, we might even do an unboxing on uh, Angry Andy Reviews YouTube, so check that out. Um, I'll let you know when that is uh, happening, but I don't think it's going to be until sometime next year, late next year. But we'll we'll uh, we'll keep you posted on that one. Anyway, let's get started with our top five Sentinels comics. So I've gone through, uh, I've done a, a great big read recently because um, there are a lot. Uh, and the pr- the problem with Sentinels and trying to find all their kind of appearances, I, I tend to use Marvel fandom to, to kind of categorize a lot of appearances for certain characters, but they do categorize them in certain ways. So it can be quite difficult to find where they've appeared and how they've appeared. So the problem with I mean, in a, in a good way, the fandom categorizes. You can get the character, and then it'll show you, you know, different versions or diff- different people who have become that character or took taken on that mantle, for example. It'll also show you characters from different universes, so like what if universes or you know alternate timelines, parallel Earths, that sort of thing. Problem with the Sentinels, they have they have that. So they have all the Sentinels and then all the parallel timelines as well. But also you've got different models as well, so different types of Sentinels. So that that you know expounded the kind of research i had to do and find the ones that i wanted to talk about but let's get going let's get going anyway so the first very first story oh excuse me again very sniffly um just it's just too you know i wish i was a machine right now so i didn't have the sniffles put it that way so the first one so i'm gonna i'm gonna name the collection that you can find these issues in but i'm also gonna name these single issues as well so first one is X-Men Epic Collection, The Sentinels Live. The original Uncanny X-Men, Volume 1, 57-59, by Roy Thomas and Neil Adams. So this is at a time where Marvel had just hired Neil Adams to come on board. Obviously, Neil Adams is very famous for uh, reinvigorating Batman, the kind of darker stuff like we talked about on uh, the Denny O'Neill podcast. Um, he was very instrumental in that. And Green Arrow, Green Lantern, Dead Man, all those great kind of classic stories. Uh, Kree Skrull War as well, the Avengers, great storyline that he's uh, he drew as well. Um, but yeah, he was like, he came to Marvel and Marvel just kind of was like offering all the big stuff. They were like, give you Avengers, we'll give you Fantastic Four, we'll give you this, give you that. And he was like, he said, you know what? What's your worst selling title? What is the thing that is the worst? You know, the the one that's selling the lowest. What is it? And they went, oh, that's clearly X Men. And he was like, I want that. And the first thing he said, he was like, he was like, oh, one of my favorite villains of the X Men was the, was the Sentinels. I always used to love the Sentinels. Um, and they're like, well, you know, they were kind of a you know three issue thing, and then they were done. And he was like, oh, I really like them though. Um, maybe there's something. And he and he was like, well, the creator's dead, the master mold's dead, the Sentinels are effectively all dead. Um, they're destroyed. It's done and dusted. And he's like, okay. 
so him and Roy Thomas went away and they crafted this kind of storyline and they introduced Larry Trask. Now, Larry Trask, as you probably know, is the son of Bolivar Trask, the creator of the Sentinels. He believes the X-Men killed his father. So he has the same kind of insane drive to destroy all mutants, to kill all mutants. And he's brought created this new range of Sentinels. Um, he's teamed up with a uh, Judge Chalmers, which was like his father's best friend. Uh, and that's what he's going to do. So this time in the uh, this time in the book, um, the X Men have just discovered they've just met Alex Summers, so Scott's brother, for the first time, um, and saved him from the living monolith and the living Pharaoh. Basically, the Sentinels just go out and about. And they just start picking up every known mutant character up until that point. So there's not that many at that point. So it's probably like a good 10, 15 characters that they're trying to get, um, you know, and and they're successful. Like it's and the way Neil Adams draws these these sentinels is really inhuman and and this terrifying cold face of death that is just coming for them. And again, like they're learning, they're better than they were, and and again, they've still got the cold logic and the kind of tunnel vision sort of thing. Um, but it's a be- it's, it's like, regardless of the story, it's beautiful artwork. Like, it is a gorgeous, gorgeous, gorgeous few issues. Again, like, he draws Havoc, creates Havoc, gives Havoc his new costume. So Alex Summers gets the code name. Uh, we see Iceman, Beast, all the original X-Men in their absolute glory, um, you know, doing their thing. You know, the hairless Beast, you know, he's just had, he's got the big ape hands and, and feet. Um, yeah, it's it's amazing. It's an amazing, amazing read. Um, Again, it's very straightforward. It's like the Sentinels come, they want to kill. But what's the interesting thing is there's Larry Trask as a character. Like you see his kind of development over the the few issues. He goes from this kind of horrific, like racist kind of, you know, fascistic kind of character. And he's on talk shows saying these Sentinels will destroy the mutant kind. And then it's being described as a witch hunt. And, you know, that that these kind of news people have seen it before, um, you know, and he's like, no, 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 you don't understand. There are, you know, they're, they're going to destroy the human race. We can't have that. And, and you, we see how powerful they are because almost every interaction they have with a mutant, they defeat them almost instantly. Like, um, you know, they do the the x-men only kind of manage to just get away you know they don't soundly defeat them really in this whole story there's never a section where they're like okay they're totally defeated you know the sentinels won't come back and the, the what's great about larry trask is we discover that um judge Chalmers eventually is like you know what you're wrong mutants are fine they're not all evil you're painting them you're tarring them with the same brush you can't do that um that's not fair punches him and removes this medallion that he's been wearing and he's like oh i can't believe you've done that that my father told me never to remove that medallion after my mother died and it turns out that larry trask is in fact a mutant himself Um, and the the medallion would stop his powers and stop him from being detected by the sentinels um, because he he created Bolivar Trask created the Sentinels because he was afraid that the other mutants would come and steal his son from him. Um, so he created them in, as a way to kind of ensure his safety in a kind of weird backwards logic kind of way. Um, so yeah, so uh, that's revealed, and he can because he, he predicted his he has a kind of precognition power, so he predicted his mother's own death. So that was that was his thing. Um, but this is a this is a very important story because it serves as a kind of 
pseudo sequel or actual you know all the sequels that come after that this this is like this is important to the sentinel story and the development and and you'll you'll see it referenced in almost every sentinel story ever because it is an absolute out and out classic even the the following there was a following story that that kind of followed on from this in the avengers um which involved kind of quicksilver scarlet witch and all the other avengers larry trask comes up again um as well but it's a it's a great story. I highly recommend it. It's a lot of fun. It looks gorgeous. Uh, it's been collected several times, so you can find I think two or three collections on Comicsology at least. Um, there'll probably be more um, online on eBay and stuff. The physical ones. Um, but it's it's a, it's a great run as well. It introduces Sauron, uh, the Living Monolith. Um, you get Havoc for the first time. Uh, Professor X is brought to, back to life because at that point he was dead for quite some time. Um, so we get that story. Um, what else does it do? Um, we go back to the Savage Land and we see Magneto without his helmet for the first time. So this is um, introduces the Savage Land mutates as well. Um, so it's a lot. There's a lot of stuff in there. Very short run. However, what was sad about it was that actually, even though sales were were improving towards the end of their run, sadly. It still got cancelled. Can you believe it? At that time, the the X-Men was so unpopular that it was cancelled. But don't worry, we're moving on to their very, very popular section in their second genesis. So here's number two for you. So this is collected in... Where's it gone now? Um, X-Men Epic Collection Second Genesis. So this is Uncanny X-Men Volume 1, 98 to 101 by Chris Claremont and Dave Cockrum. So this second generation of X-Men was a lot more diverse and a lot more recognisable than the original five. Um, Beast, Cyclops, Jean Grey, Angel, Iceman. So this featured Wolverine, um, Banshee, uh, Thunderbird... Colossus, Storm, Sunfire, Nightcrawler, kind of all all the big kind of classic. They're all relatively long, young, a lot of the characters, but they do vary in age. So it's not all, you know, five white teenagers. So, you know, you've got people from all over the world, Canada, you know, someone who's Native American, Japanese, Irish, African, German, Russian. You know, it's a huge, huge change. This was ju- this was just after, very shortly after uh, the first giant-sized X-Men, which introduced all these kind of characters. So there, it's really interesting to see because it's Chris Claremont's kind of early work, um, and we see that, we see kind of the characters growing, um, and you see kind of their characters kind of develop Developing and having their kind of like we see, you know, Storm's claustrophobia set in. Um, you know, we see we hear about Colossus's uh, brother dying in space. Um, we see like the kind of rough, rough kind of relationship early on that Wolverine and Jean have. Um, like Wolverine is an absolute like. <laughs> What's great about Wolverine in this is just an arsehole. Like, there's nothing redeemable about Wolverine about these early appearances. He's just a dick, um, and just kind of just for the sake of it, he is that that dick. Um, but he's, he was kind of just, you know, that, he was originally just depicted as kind of a midget murderer. You know, he's a small guy. He's like the small guy who is just is a murder machine. That's all. He doesn't listen to people. Doesn't doesn't care. Doesn't 
doesn't say a nice thing about anybody. Um, so it's quite fun to read that. But obviously the character has developed over time. Um, he's a bit more uh, nuanced now, I guess, and more uh, more interesting than he was. But um, but you can kind of see the beginnings and and kind of the interesting kind of character relationships growing. And a lot of these, and and you can see that Chris Claremont is just peppering these stories with with stuff coming up in the future. And again, amazing classic elements uh, to these X Men stories. There's no wonder he did such a long run on the X-Men they were his little baby um, and you know he very he only just kind of gave uh, you know, this was like late 70s mid to late 70s he was writing these stories he only gave it up in the kind of early 90s so it was a very long run he had and he's come back popped in and out yeah it's uh, it's a great story so they start off with the X-Men it's Christmas you know they're uh, it's, you know they're, it's a white Christmas they're at the Rockefeller Center they're having a good time you know um, in the various disguises and what have you and then does that last no it is anything but a silent night because as you know the Sentinels are back yet again, uh, and they're coming to do what they do best, which is kill and capture mutants. That is what they do. Um, so they manage to kidnap Jean, Banshee, Xavier, and Wolverine, and it's up to the rest of the X-Men to figure out where they are. Where could their base be? Cerebro can't find them on Earth, so they're worried they might be dead. However, at that very moment, as the Banshee and Wolverine and Jean are trying to escape, they burst through a wall, and they're found in the vacuum of space suffocating and then the sentinels fetch them in and then the the X-Men have to get in a space shuttle, go up into space, and try and capture them. And they find out that it's run, it's a, a thing called Project Armageddon by Stephen Lang, no relation to Scott Lang, Ant-Man. Um, and it's, he's this horrible, again, another kind of racist, bigoted dude. And he's just saying, all the mutants need to die, and you know, and you're going to help me do that. Um, so he studies them, learns their powers, and what have you. And again, they talk about how how dodgy the models of the sentinels are that they're fighting and they're like they're, these are old kind of you know not very good models so they tend to kind of go through quite a few of them they're still like it's still a threat don't get me wrong it's still like a a harsh threat and you know could kill them there's a couple of you know there's a section where colossus almost suffocates in space as well like they all almost suffocate almost die um there's a lot of te- a lot of tension in this in this story a lot of a lot of peril they end up on this shield satellite where Stephen lang is um and he's you know telling telling them ah, i'm gonna kill you and just destroy you blah, you know very standard kind of stuff um but it's just great to see these these inexperienced x-men going against these classic foes and and how you know how they approach the how they attack um the x-men and how they kind of respond to their attacks as well um it's quite it's it's a real it's a nice kind of just shaking shaking everything up again like chris Clement's really good at that kind of just shaking up the situations uh, that the characters find themselves in and the we we get the original X-Men taking on the new iteration of the X-Men but not everything is what it seems <gasps> uh, I won't spoil it for you um, and on the way back um, they have a damaged space shuttle um, and if you know anything about this storyline or X-Men in space and coming back from space you know it doesn't always end well so there's a very classic element um, in the X-Men 
uh, lore that is introduced here as well at the end of the story, but I will not spoil it for you. But, you know, if if you look at the cover for the last issue... Anyway, um, yeah, great great little story. Highly recommend it. Great to see that we've had a story with the original X-Men taking them on and the new the newer X-Men, the more familiar X-Men people can be familiar with. Um, yes, next one. This is from Amazing Spider-Man Epic Collection Round Robin. So this is Amazing Spider-Man 350 to 351. So a little bit of backstory. During the Acts of Vengeance, which was a kind of late 80s, I think it was 1989, uh, crossover. So it featured Loki kind of um, getting all the kind of villains together, the Mandarin, Red Skull, Kingpin, Doctor Doom, you know, all those kind of having having them team up. And their plan was that they were going to send kind of they were going to go against heroes they'd never gone against because they wouldn't be so experienced with fighting that villain. So, uh, for example, Doctor Doom fought the Punisher, um, you know, uh, Magneto fought Captain America, you know, it, that sort of thing was going on. So they decided that that was the best way to defeat all the relevant heroes was to do it by proxy. Um, it was a cool little event. And again, it didn't really, it, it was kind of one of those which has spanned all the issues, but it was kind of loosely connected. Um, but I always, I always like. I, th- I think it's a cool idea because I always like to see, um, you know, Spider-Man fight other villains that are not the the kind of standard, you know, uh, it's the Green Goblin again or it's Venom again, you know, that sort of thing. So it's it's quite. I thought it was quite a cool idea. But during that, um, Spider-Man developed his own cosmic powers, so he could shoot, you know, cosmic bolts, fly. Had who was stronger than ever before, you know, enhanced senses, you name it. He had the the whole gamut of superpowers. He Managed to defeat uh, Graviton, Magneto, all these kind of really. Yeah, he even punched the Hulk into outer space. That's how powerful he was at that time. Um, but he didn't realize for quite a while. But he was he was given the powers of Captain Universe for a specific reason. Um, but he only realized this right at the end of that kind of arc. And and what happens is Loki decides to combine a few um, of Sebastian Shaw's uh, Sentinel models together, three of them, into one singular Sentinel. Sentinel, uh, with the mission to destroy, I think it's the Long Island nuclear reactor, and and that's exactly what it was going to do. It's just going to do that, and and that's basically what it starts. And and it turns out the Spider Man was given these powers specifically for that reason to stop that sentinel from destroying that nuclear reactor and and once he is successful which he is um he loses those cosmic powers and the enigma force as it's called goes on to another lucky recipient who will have to use their powers for another random um occurrence um but yeah it's a really cool storyline really interesting but we're not talking about that one we're not talking about that one we're talking about the follow-up which is uh which is this story so months later the life foundation who you'll be familiar with if you've seen the Venom film Um, they're a shady company and they're extreme survivalists think everyone's going to die and the earth's going to be ruined Um, so they kind of create these big bunkers and stuff and they decide to put the Tri-Sentinel back together with um, including a stolen piece of Antarctic Vibranium. Now Antarctic Vibranium is quite similar to regular Vibranium however you find it in the Antarctic so it's within the Savage Land which is where it was it's kind of created now the only thing about antarctic vibranium that's different is that it destroys all metal it comes in contact with it just like 
on a molecular level, it just, you know, it's, it stops anything, like, staying together. It just basically turns to liquid. Anything around it, that's just what happens. So they do that. Um, they put it inside because they want the Tri-Sentinel. Very bizarre, like, supervillain plan. They want the Tri-Sentinel to work as their security um, when the world ends. Sure, why not? Okay, um, so they use that. As, if it goes out of control, they can just activate that and it will melt the Sentinel. That's their plan. Um, so Spider-Man um, bumps into new warrior Nova of the Nova Corps, um, who's kind of slowly getting back into the superhero game. He's been out of, he's, he didn't have his powers for quite a long time, uh, and he's kind of, you know, he's he's getting back into it. He's a bit, he's a bit rusty, um, you know, and he, but he's, you know, he's a bit proud and, you know, stubborn. So him and Spider-Man sort of get along, but sort of don't, you know, there's a bit of, there's a bit of kind of banter and stuff. And, you know, um, he accidentally tr- does makes like Nova makes a fair few mistakes during this issue. So, um, but it's kind of like, yeah, fair, fair enough. I'd probably would, yeah, I'd probably trip that alarm as well, you know, uh, knowing me. Um, but, but um, they activate the Sentinel. They, they drop the, the shield that's on, and the Sentinel's original programming comes back on and it wants to destroy that Long Island nuclear reactor again. So it's it basically just says, right, I'm off, and starts travelling towards the, the nuclear reactor. And what's great what's great about this Sentinel as well is because it's imbued with magic, it's it makes it for like a really unique, you know, it has unique powers, it has unique defenses. Um, you know, it's it's very different from any other Sentinel. Plus, it has three heads and three and well, six arms, three sets of arms. Um, you know, it's it's very different, and it kind of and it's 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 more powerful. It's probably one of the more powerful Sentinel models out there. Um, but you know, Loki is the god of mischief, and and if he considers blown up a nuclear reactor a bit of mischief then you know more power to him uh, so so we we see this and and spider-man manages to get inside because he wants to activate that um the antarctic vibranium to melt the sentinel it's the only way they can really defeat them because again you gotta remember spider-man doesn't have any cosmic powers anymore this is just regular spidey um trying his best uh, and nova is doing his best on the outside to try and halt this the sentinel um as, as best they can but the defenses on the inside are crazy as well you know spider-man gets trapped um i think this is like one of the first kind of spider-man stories i've read i think because i i think it was in um there was a uk reprint of spider-man in the 90s i can't remember what it was called um I remember there was the Essential X Men, but I think this was just something Spider Man. I can't remember exactly, but it was a it was like Panini, I think, um, that did it, uh, and it was one of the first stories I read. I loved it. I thought it was great. Another great thing about it as well is you've got the I didn't say who wrote it. I think it was David Michelinie, and the artwork is by Mark Bagley. So this is the first. This is his Mark Bagley is probably one of the best Spider Man artists there ever was. Did a huge run on Ultimate Spider Man, a uh, huge run in the nineties. Um, he's one of my favorite artists out there. It's great. His work is fantastic, um, and this is his first his first work on Spider Man. And he would go on to create Carnage and various other characters, define the look of Venom. Um, it's great, 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 great stuff that he has done just go and go and you, you'll probably have seen his work somewhere on a poster a trading card or video game you name it it's all he's, he's he is synonymous with spider-man for me um 
And this is his first earliest work on Spider-Man, and it looks great. It's fantastic. Um, the battles are good, the explosions, you know, all that sort of stuff. He's really good. He's got a real eye for kind of... There's a lot of dynamism in his work. It's very dynamic, and and it's always interesting to look at. Um, it, it does feel very 90s, like that, but that's not a bad thing, in a way. Um, you know, there's a lot of bad 90s art out there, and Mark Badgley is not that is not that kind of, of 90s artist. And he has developed over time and improved. Um, but that's the same with any artist. Um, but yeah, I just, I really like the 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 Tri-Sentinel. I've always liked the design. He came back recently in the comics as well um, for a little bit. But again, he's unique, he's different, um, and it's fun. And I like the, the you know, the, the risk factor of him, of Spidey not having all those cosmic powers and abilities to stop him and that Nova teams up. And it's great to see Nova there doing his thing. I think his costume looks great. Nova's got a great costume. Um, you know, he's doing his thing. And I like that he's inexperienced and he's, you know, messing up and um, maybe causing the Sentinel to, to do more damage to the city and stuff. Um, it's great. Okay, moving on. We are running, running. It's going to be, you know, it's not going to be a short one, but I don't mind. It's good to be back. It's good to be uh, got all the old cogs moving again. So a bit rusty, but I'm enjoying it. So next one is X-Men Operation Zero Tolerance and Cable Hellfire Hunt. So I'm not going to list the issues because it's a massive crossover and I can't be bothered. All the artists, all the writers, because again, can't be bothered. Um, but check those collections out. So after the Onslaught event which had the death of the Avengers and the Fantastic Four, and there was the assassination of uh, the anti-mutant presidential candidate Graydon Creed, who is in fact Mystique and Sabretooth's son. Um, no wonder he... And that's probably why he doesn't like mutants. Oh, well. Um, but they were... Both of these events uh, led the government to hand over the kind of control, uh, monitoring, and in some cases extermination of mutants to a paramilitary group called Operation Zero Tolerance. Um, this was led by the mysterious Bastion, who considered him the who considered himself the last defense against um, mutant kind, the last Bastion, if you will. And yeah, it's uh, and some very dodgy things start happening. So um, Bastion, he basically has been taking in. He takes in people that either don't like mutants or have anti-mutant sentiment. And they, he transforms them into these kind of sleeper agents. These uh, calls them prime sentinels. So they're human-sized sentinels, um, but they're kind of they're more cyborgs, I guess now. So they've they've developed over time. The technology has developed, and and yeah, he kind of has done this and kind of develops them. But he also takes in people that are like disabled or have medical problems and offers them new kind of new life, um, and, you know, new prospects like there's one guy he offers to be able to see again give him like bionic eyes and stuff um but secretly he's turning them also into prime sentinels so whenever a mutant is around it's like you know sentinel activate mutant detected terminate that sort of thing um so they all become you know these killing machines and and that's what's really interesting about that i think is this puts like a human again another human facet another human face to these these cold killing machines and again this this is these people are within these sentinels are within the people that the x-men protect so any of them they could have set that could save they could just turn around and turn into a prime sentinel and kill them at any time 
possible. Um, so that kind of you know, it's it's you can you can't tell who's. It's almost like you can't tell who's harboring kind of racist views and opinions uh, until they reveal themselves to do that. So so it's kind of and again, there's these real world kind of allegories and kind of metaphors that that come to come to light really well in these in these X Men stories and and these Sentinel stories are very much the same, very much like that. Um, so one of my favourite moments in it as well. It's, it crosses over all the X Men titles: X Force, Cable, Wolverine, X Men, Uncanny X Men. Um, so it's a big storyline. Um, there's a great moment where J. Jonah Jameson is like, "We need to find out who Bastion is. We need to work this out. We have no idea what's going on. Um, you know, why is he beginning so much power? What is going on? Shield also is investigating as well, but he's like, "This, th- we need to know more more about this." And Bastion comes to J. Jonah Jameson and offers him. All this information that so basically Bastion before this point Bastion has used Jubilee's captured Jubilee used pulled information from her mind kidnapped the X Men captured the X Men and broke into the mansion and the cables left to defend it and he manages to get some information from the computers um, but there's a f- few bits of information he didn't manage to get um, like the Xavier protocols is a um, is a list of how to defeat each mutant like all their weaknesses kind of like Batman's files on the Justice League that sort of thing. So, so if Xavier needed to defeat any of the, any of the X Men, if they turned evil, then he would be able to. Um, but obviously, Bastion wants to use that for evil purposes. Um, and yeah, so he gets all this information, and he goes to J. Jonah Jameson. He's like, "I'm going to give you an exclusive. I'm going to give you all the identities of the X Men, all the information I can on them, and you can have the exclusive. What do you think?" And he goes, "You know what? No." Because I believe in you know as much as I don't like people with powers and and master vigilantes and stuff. I don't know anything about you. I have journalistic integrity and I will not be, you know, I will not be bought. You know, there's no way you can buy me. I don't like you. And J.J. Jameson goes on to say that he sent a reporter out to investigate Bastion and he never came back. And he says, and he, he basically burns the, the, the CD-ROM, or what, it's it's the 90s, it's a CD-ROM. Um, and he burns it with his cigar and he says, and if, if uh, if I can find anything about you, I'm gonna have you on trial for the death of that reporter, and you can bet on it. And it's a really nice kind of moment um, for J. Jonah Jameson because he's not all bad, you know. Obviously, he's painted sometimes as a villain, um, but he's quite. He's one of the. Be- I think he's one of the best written characters in comics, genuinely. And and I, I love him to pieces. And, and really surprisingly as well, he's on the phone to a senator and he goes, you know, next time I'm gonna, I'm, I'll, I'll tell you what, next time I'm gonna vote Republican. Um, and you're like, what? <laughs> you you do you vote Democrat, JJ Jameson? Okay, sure. Didn't didn't think yeah, that's quite surprising, but there you go. Um, but yeah, it's a really good story, and and there's lots of kind of fun to be had. Generation X are involved as well. Um, it's it's a big big crossover, but it's it's very much like it's all this big sprawling stuff. Um, I will say this as as much fun as I had with it. Um, you know, all the different kind of storylines going on um, from all the different titles. It does end rather anticlimactically. That's why I've included. Cable, a Hellfire Hunt, because we basically, at the end of Operation Zero Tolerance, Bastion is captured, and the the they start kind of trying to figure out who or what he is, 
and and in within these kind of two annuals that are included in that collection in the cable collection we find out what bastion is is bastion is his origins and then we get a really big kind of slobber knocker fight uh, between cable and x51 the machine man um which is really really cool and again you get some more sentinel stuff so for me this is like the true is i think it came like a year or so later or six months later but for me that's the true kind of um finale to it so that's why i've included that as well um because i think that's something you need again i really like bastion he comes back a lot he's a really cool character he's one of the figures that's going to be included in that sentinel um figure that i'm getting um it, it, again it puts a human face to to the sentinels and 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 bastion is quite charismatic there's something quite charismatic and interesting about bastion um he's got a very unique look um he was the main villain in an x-men video game a while back i think it was x-men the next dimension i think or something like that i think he he was one of the he was the big bad and you could play as a female prime sentinel you could play as bastion plays a male prime sentinel as well um so it was a great it's great he's a great little character and he always keeps popping up uh, i'm going to talk about more more on him later um, so I'm going to include this. So this story is X-Men Red, uh, one and volumes one and two. So the, the full series has an, one annual and 11 issues. Um, but you should read it all, really. So Jean Grey has come back. Um, she come, came back to life in Phoenix Resurrection because, of course, she does. That's what she does. She dies and comes back to life. And she notices that the world has become a far more kind of fearful and hate-filled place um, since she's been dead, which is a good, like, I think, like, 15 years. I think it was, like, 2004 or five. she died. Um, so she's been dead for quite a while, so fair, fair point. Uh, and she's not wrong. Um, so she decides to... She kind of wants to be... She wants to live up to Xavier's original dream. She wants to... It wants peaceful coexistence, um, no violence. So she puts together a plan... Um, she puts together a team and she shares psychically shares her dream with like the UN. Um, you know, you know, she says we're not here to fight. We are not. We're not violent. We're not here to, you know, do anything. We are just here to say we're going to try and do this. We need, you know, we need a place. We need somewhere to do that. So we need a, a secure sanctuary. Um, so they kind of speak to Black Panther. They speak to all the kind of scientists and stuff all over the world, and kind of um, they speak to Submariner, the name of the Submariner, and they go, "We need to do something about this." So that's how they manage to gather the whole UN together and share this dream. However, a U a UK politician, um, not one that one that kind of looks suspiciously like Theresa May. Um, walks up to Jean afterwards and starts kind of talking to her, going, "You know what? You've t- you've turned you've changed my mind. You've turned me around on this. So I agree. Thank you, thank you for doing that." And then all of a sudden, she starts ask- acting weird and starts speaking in somebody else's voice. And Jean can sense there's another kind of presence. Uh, and then all of a sudden, this woman's head explodes, just you know everywhere. And Jean Grey and her X Men team are blamed for this because it looks like you know from footage, it looks like she blew up her brain. Um, not the truth but then they have to go on the run uh they're worried that this whole idea and the whole dream is over um but they they get in touch with a a young mutant from india called trinary and she's like a technopath um and she kind of is 
doing her best on the internet to dispel the kind of these myths and lies and social media posts online about mutants. Um, and she discovers that actually a lot of the world has been infected by the Sentinites, which are nano uh, sentinels, so miniature sentinels within people. And they are, again, much like, very similar to Operation Zero Tolerance. They're turned on. They're not, they just change their mind. They don't turn them into cyborgs. They just go, must kill a mutant. Um, but also, like, mutants can be infected by these Sentinites. So they will try and kill as many mutants as possible and then also kill themselves. So Storm gets infected, and they have to stop Storm um, from killing them. Um, it's a really good, it's a really good kind of modern story um, that uses kind of the dangers of social media and kind of toxic um, culture and stuff within this story. Uh, and you can really see that that's kind of the message that is coming through. And it's, a, I think, it's a good message. And I think it's a, a modern message. You know, some people may not like you know their politics in their comics, and that's that's fair if you don't if you don't like that. But I think. You can't really escape politics to a, to a degree, and especially with the X Men, it's it's always been very political. Um, so I think that's that's within that. But I think it works and it does it well as this allegory. It doesn't you know go too far with it or what have you. Um, but we find out um, that Cassandra Nova, so this is the the evil twin sister of Xavier, who he tried to kill in the womb. Long story. Uh, she's she's an alien. I don't want to go into it. Just look her up yourself if you want if you want more information on her. Um or read Grant Morrison's X-Men. I think that'll tell you enough. Um but he, she's she's behind this and she is almost like the complete opposite of Jean Grey. Like she has no empathy. Uh, you know, within this story is the la- again the lack of empathy. Uh, and in, I won't again I won't spoil it, but there is there is something that Jean Grey does in the end. Uh, but I'll I'll leave you to it. But um, but I really like this book. It's fun. It's fast paced. The art is gorgeous. Again, it's got a great modern message. It's got a great set of X, really diverse set of X Men team. Um, you know, it's got Honey Badger in, who's like a, a clone, another clone of Wolverine, um, who's like the little sister to like X twenty three, and she's she's a she's amazing. She's really funny and really hopeful, uh, and a ray of sunshine in this kind of quite you know sometimes quite dark storyline. Um, and again, the Avengers getting on the the finale and stuff. Um, it's it's a great, it's a really good kind of story about bigotry and and how it's viewed on social media and how um, people can be brainwashed via social media via the TV, um, you know, subliminal messaging and all that sort of stuff, and and how politicians will be, you know, doing certain things to make that hatred you know come to a boil or or to to further their political ends so it's kind of it's somewhat quite true to real life especially at the moment but it's a great story nevertheless and it's a fun story and it's a lot of action a lot of fun it's great Jean Grey story as well like really really gets to grips with Jean Grey in a good way and got a really good handle on that on the character and and like who who she is and what she represents. Um, they even, uh, Trinary even, they fight a, a huge, you know, the standard kind of sentinel and Trinary kind of takes control of it and it becomes their kind of transport. Uh, they name it Sentinel X and they give it this, a honey badger gives it this paint job and like this has this huge rainbow on it and this big X logo as well. Um, but again, like on Jean Grey's request, she, she has all the weapons removed from it. She's like, don't want any violent weapons or weaponry you know we're not about fighting but we're you know if we need to we're ready and we can do that 
you know, um, I'm not a big fan of Gambit. I know a lot of people are, um, but I think he's used pretty well in this in this series as well, um, along with all the other characters. But no, it's a great series. I highly recommend it. It's, again, not a long read, just two volumes. Very, you know, very cheap on, uh, you know, unless you want to get Marvel Unlimited. You can subscribe to that for, for a free month and you can read it on there. Um, or you can pay for it like I do. Or again, you can buy it on Comixology or buy the physical editions. Um, but I highly recommend it. It's a great, and again, it doesn't have the standard like, it's got, you know, it's got Wolverine and Cyclops. You know, it's not got the standard X-Men. It's a, they mix it up. So you've got new characters, old characters, um, fresh characters. You've even got characters like um, uh, Gentle, who's a character from Wakanda, um, who's a really interesting character in himself. Um, but yeah, it's it's a really good read, so I highly recommend it. Again, very similar to Operation Zero Tolerance, but kind of more like a modernised version of that. So um, Before I finish, I've got um, some listener comments and some honourable mentions, um, which you might want to take a look at. So the honourable mentions are um, X-Men Epic Collection, Children of the Atom. So this is, these are the earliest, the very first X-Men comics by Stanley and Jack Kirby, and that includes the first three issues introducing the Sentinels, Bolivar Trask, and Master Mold, so those are the, all the first appearances. But also, it's got you know the first appearance of the X Men, Xavier, first appearance of the Brotherhood of Evil Mutants, Quicksilver, Scarlet Witch, Toad, Blob, Mastermind, Magneto. Um, we've got the first appearance of the Savage Land, Kazar. Um, you name it, all the kind of classic kind of kind of elements, Juggernaut as well. You know, it's just all those kind of proper classic elements of the X Men are introduced. Um, you know, there's all sorts of stuff in there, great stuff. Um, so it's 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 a classic for a reason. So I do recommend it. It's a great big these are great big bumper collections, so they are worth the money. You get a lot with them. Um so I do recommend the epic collections. They're the most modern collections as well. And they will include, you know, one one shots and and one off issues from other series and annuals and you know any giant size specials as well. So I do recommend these these epic collections. There are a lot of gaps in the chronology, but you can also um, also buy um Masterworks, um, the Marvel Masterworks series. There's not that many holes in those collections. It's just, you know, straight straightforward. But um, but they're still good, and I, th- I think they're well worth the money. The epic collections. Anyway, moving on. What is next on my honourable mentions? Okay, I, it's an obvious one, but I've mentioned it already. So Days of Futures Pass is a classic. It's what it's only two issues as well. Um, but it, it sets up this whole universe, introduces Rachel Gray as well, um, or Rachel Summers as she's known. Um, you know, we see all the X Men die. We see, a, a, you know, internment camps, concentration camps. You know, Magneto's in a wheelchair. Um, some really, really good stuff. It's classic. You know, dystopian future. You know, can we change the future? But also, we get this great modern day battle with the Brotherhood of Evil Mutants trying to kill Senator Kelly. Um, and again, some great moments. Again, Chris Claremont, John Byrne artwork, gorgeous. Comes not lo- long after the Dark Phoenix saga. So this is the absolute classic X-Men run. Um, highly recommend it. I didn't want to include it because it's a little too obvious, but um, but it's in my honorable mentions because it has to be. Um, you can check out Wolverine Epic Collection in a Fury. So um, uh, a kind of modern future, well, not modern, a, f- a future Sentinel that was sent back and partially destroyed reawakens and, and gains sentience and decides that they want to uh, take advantage of this like hole in the space-time continuum and they head back to uh, 
a time where the ant hill, which is the base from the 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 comic we talked about with with Larry Traskin, uh, the Sentinels live. Um, so he travels back in time and tries to kind of. Um, I think he tries to cause a solar flare or something, so he'd kill all of humanity. Um, but that's a really fun like, couple of issues. And Jubilee also learns that her parents were not didn't die by accident. They were, in fact, murdered, and she wants to avenge them. Uh, New X-Men Ease for Extinction is the first of Grant Morrison's um, kind of X-Men, X-Men issues. Uh, again, introduces Cassandra Nova, who takes control of a Trask and uses the Wild Sentinels, as they're called, to kill every single mutant in Genosha and that is how that series opens so uh yeah um pretty successful run for the for those uh those wild sentinels but yes um great run uh second coming is really good um that features Bastion again um but this time he's after Hope who is the first mutant to be born after M day after the House of M storyline um it's really cool lots of like Nimrod style kind of uh sentinels coming again it kind of there's a lot of time travel future timey-wimey stuff uh, cables in there nightcrawler um you know um not everybody survives the storyline as well as as per usual um but yeah really good that's a sequel to messiah complex and messiah war if you want to have the full if you want to read the full kind of that store story arc okay uh decimation sentinel squad one which was uh which was written by a friend of ours, friend of the show, John Lehman. Um, and it features, during just after House of M, the government said that the X-Men needed protection because obviously the, there's only 198 mutants left on the planet. So they get these human-piloted kind of sentinel mechs. Um, and James Rhodes is one of the leaders of, of the people that are piloting this. So War Machine himself is helping pilot uh, these giant sentinels. They go on their own little adventure and fight, go to the Savage Land and fight these like intelligent Godzilla types. So if you like giant robots versus giant monsters, so if you like your Pacific Rim type stuff, this is the story for you. Um, the Sentinels, you know, are the hero of the story, which is unusual. Um, but yeah, very fun read. Um, you can check out Sentinel Volume One Salvage, which basically was part of uh, Marvel's attempt to get people interested in manga, interested in Marvel, so doing kind of manga-inspired stuff. Um, so this is kind of like a manga version of Iron Giant. So a boy discovers a broken sentinel and then kind of makes friends with it, fixes it, and but then he kind of uses it to stage a an attack on his school um, to, to seem like the hero and become popular and stuff, and then he kind of regrets this, saying it's a bit like Columbine, so it does get a little bit serious. And um, and then he uses the Sentinel to try and you know help people and save lives. His story would carry on in another miniseries after that, and then in Avengers Academy, and then followed on by uh, Avengers Arena. It's called uh, Just On Seifert, I think the character's called. Um, but yeah, that was a fun little read, you know. Um, Check out also X-Men Epic Collection, The Gift. Now, this features the first appearance of Nimrod, who's this advanced sentinel from the Days of Futures past storyline. Um, and he comes back chasing uh, Rachel Summers or Rachel Gray, and he wants to kind of exterminate her. And his first appearance, he absolutely decimates the X-Men and knocks out the Juggernaut. So he's no you know this is a sentinel you do not want to mess around with um and again he would pop up later on again a lot 
um, Astonishing X-Men Exogenetic. Um, so this features um, biological sentinels um, for the first time. So they, there's a, a former mutant turns up and all of a sudden just transforms into like this flesh bone organ sentinel. And then it's kind of interconnected with um, the brood as well, which are a, a kind of an alien, very much like a xenomorph type alien X-Men menace uh, they had to deal with. Yeah, great stuff. And finally, X-Men War Machines. So this is the X-Men teaming up with War Machine because some Sentinels have been bought by an Eastern European country um, because they're they're in the middle of a kind of civil war and uh, Simcaria, which is the the country that Silver Sable is from, and Latveria, so Doctor Doom's country, are on the borders and it looks like they're going to attack and take over. Um, so they buy these Sentinels to defend themselves on the black market and the X-Men and War Machine have to stop them. Um, hopefully... Uh, they can do that. Who knows? Um, okay, a few listener comments. So I reached out and said, does anyone have any good kind of uh, Sentinel memories or comics that they quite like? So uh, Lee Anthony has said, Rover in X-Men, Here Comes Tomorrow, uh, which is, again, the end of Grant Morrison's run. You, they skip 150 years into the future, um, and there's a kind of a good Sentinel. He's like a little dog. <laughs> and all the, all he can say is, Destroy! Destroy! Um, which is quite sweet. Um, so Owen Edmonds has also said, it could just be me, but I've never been a fan of Sentinels. Seem like too easy a concept. Eh, well, I, I mean, yeah, killer robots are, but we do love our killer robots, you know. Um, you know, Robot Month was very successful for me because, you know, robots. So people like them. I mean, I, I disagree. Um, personally, I think it's good. Like I've said, it's good allegory for all that hatred and vile bigotry in the world. But there you go. Uh, nerds chatting at Nerds chatting on Twitter. Um, have not read enough X Men comics with Sentinels. Have read Days of Futures Past, which was tough going. And I said, it's only two issues. He went, yeah, I know. And I was like, shame. Shame on you, Nerds chatting. Um, so going over to Instagram and straight out of Crampton, uh, one of my uh, collaborators, good old Ben, uh, he says, got to give a shout out to Rover from New X Men again. Yeah. No problem. So that's all the listener comments, and that is it for today. It's been a long one, hasn't it? It's been longer than I thought it would be, but sorry for the sniffles and any coughing. Um, I'm, I'm going to be better soon, I hope. I'll take some drugs and do some things. <laughs> Hopefully I'll feel better. Um, but I've still got um, me, Lucy, and Scott have our Twilight um, podcast coming up very shortly, so that'll probably be next. Um, got a few other things before Halloween, but I'm going to I'm gonna think I'm going to record some of these early, just so it's not a, too much of a stress on those months. Um, but we shall see. Uh, but yeah, I'm, I'm having a great time, you know, coming back to this is this has felt really good to come back um and do that again kind of get the old the wheels moving again um but i'm i'm happy to be back it's going to be a, a blast got some good stuff for you guys coming up um hope you're going to enjoy it i hope you've enjoyed this um so again as you know we've got to do the old social media shiznit um, so you can find me on Facebook it's at Secret Balls on Facebook on Twitter it's at Dan underscore Balls Instagram Spider Dan Secret Balls and the podcast is always available on Podbean Apple Podcasts Google Podcasts Stitcher Spotify YouTube many many more and if you'd like to donate to the podcast you can buy me a coffee at 
ko-fi.com forward slash Spider-Dan and the Secret Wars. And don't forget to use the hashtag prepare for prattle when you introduce yourself or interact with us. Um, that is that is the best way to do it. So thank you very much, guys, for your time this week. Um, you've been great. I've been pretty good. Um, take care. Look after yourselves. Uh, be safe. Um, and hopefully this whole thing will blow over and we can have a nice swift pint soon. All right. Take care, everyone. Bye-bye.